Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello, and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with George, Joe, and Frank today. George, how you doing today? Doing great today, man. Happy Friday. We get our boy Frank back today. How you doing today, Drew? Doing pretty well. I'm excited for Frank to be here as well. Looks like we got a lot of interesting topics ahead. Frank, how are you doing? What up, boys? I know it's been a while. I'm sorry I was out of state, but you know the love's there. I know. How dare you leave us? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Joe, how are you doing? Doing all right. Just got done laughing at the suck fest of a football game we've seen today. <laughs> well, we all know that George is a fan of suck fests, right? Hey, sign me up. <laughs> Some of today's featured topics include... Did the Pelicans make the right move in hiring Stan Van Gundy as their head coach? Is it time to hit the panic button for the New England Patriots? And can you see Antonio Brown playing in the NFL again? We're going to talk about all these topics and more here on Highly Contested. Let's start with the NBA. It was announced on Wednesday that Stan Van Gundy will be the new head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Stan Van Gundy has coached the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, and the Detroit Pistons and is now primed to coach the up-and-coming Pelicans. So, George, did the Pelicans make the right move in hiring Stan Van Gundy as their head coach? I think it was a a good choice right there. So, Stan Van Gundy, he's a good defensive-minded coach. In his 11 seasons as head coach, he's finished in the top half of the league in defense 10 times. In the last three seasons with the Pelicans, he also finished up there. He's had a top 10 defense eight of those times. As a head coach, He is five. his record for the regular season is 523 to 384. Uh, his playoff record is 48 to 43. He's also led the Magic in the finals back in 2008. Uh, He does have some chemistry working with J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday before uh, they've played for him. So I I think this was a good hire. We'll have to wait and see if, you know, how he gets them playing. But this could be a scary defensive uh, team because they got some good players that play defense. And he's got a resume for being a good defensive-minded coach. So this could be a scary team on defense, I think. It'll be the question if they can connect the dots on offense to really get over that hump and, you know, make the playoffs, but really, you know, make a run in the playoffs and, you know, make it out that first round. What are your thoughts, Joe, on this hire? Um, Yeah, I, I believe Stan Van Gundy will be a good coach for the Pelican teams. Uh, like you said, he's his uh, regular season record is 523 and 84. And postseason is 48 and 43. But when they went to the playoffs in 2009 and entered the finals in 2009, he had a he had a decent team in the Magic. But he, that with that decent team, he he also had Dwight Howard in year four, and they went to the finals to face the Lakers. But but I Stan McGunning coaching the Pelicans, they have young names, Zion being the biggest name, uh Brandon Ingram, and like like George said, he also worked with JJ Reddick and Drew Holiday at some point in his career. So I, like George said, I, this this team will be pretty good on defense, but offense they need to score points. But like I said, this is a good hire for the Pelicans. Frank, what are your thoughts about this topic? Yeah, you know what? I think we're all going to be in agreement here. I think uh, this guy, I don't think they could have picked a better guy. I mean, this guy, <clears throat> so we all know his past, I'm assuming. 
But uh, when he was with Miami, I mean, he basically showcased the strong points of Dwayne Wade when he was a rookie. Okay, that team only had 25 wins the season prior to him coming into coaching. And that very season that he came to, he made that team go from 25 to a 42-win season in which they won a very high percentage of the late-season games and surprised many people, and they even advanced to that playoff that year. Ended up losing to the Pacers, but still. And then uh, as the uh, as the Heat, he made the best record in the Eastern Conference for the first half of the season, becoming the first Heat coach, the coach in the All-Star game, which he led them to a victory. And then when he went to the Magic, he guided them to a 52-win season, earning the team's first division championship since the 50, uh, sorry, 95-96 season. And, I mean, he was able to teach guys like Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, there was just Dwayne Wade. This guy's, like like George has said, his defense, his mind. I mean, overall, I don't see how or why. I'm sorry. I don't see why this is a bad choice as far as I'm concerned. This is a positive choice. I mean, defensive mind, like George said, I mean, every team he's basically touched, he had a positive gain with them. And kind of turn the team around a little bit. So I don't see why he can't do the same with the Pelicans. And this guy's, I think it's a great choice for them, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. I really am not. Um, This is one of those notifications that I got where, you know, I saw it and I'm like, okay, immediately slid it to the left and got it out of there. It wasn't intriguing to me. Stan Van Gundy, he's coached the Heat, the Magic, and the Pistons, and he did well when he coached the Magic, uh, made it to three conference finals, lost two and won one, but he would eventually lose that to the finals. I just don't know because he wasn't able to do much with the Pistons. I mean, he made the playoffs once in four seasons, and he got swept in the first round. So makes me wonder, is, is it – past his day and age as a coach. I mean, like like we were talking about with, um, I can't remember what other coach we were talking about with, but we're talking about this same idea with a, a different coach. And we're saying it's just a new day and age of basketball. The three-point line is a much more prominent threat than it used to be. So it makes me wonder if he can adjust. I don't hate the move. I just don't like um, the move either. It's kind of a different, That's, obviously, it is a different it. sport. You but you were talking about that he may, his mind might be too old because times have kind of changed. But a lot of the best coaches out there are one of the oldest coaches in the game. I mean, even in different sports, you're talking like Bilicek. I mean, that guy's, I mean, as old as you can get when it comes to coaching. And he kind of went with the times. I don't see why this guy couldn't kind of go with the times or take some of the old school feel and put it in this new school way. I mean, that's kind of like Steve Kerr, you know, he's at that old school and now three point line in his day, isn't the three point line it is today, but he was still able to use it. I mean, I don't see why Van Gundy couldn't do something like that kind of go with the times. Yeah, I just feel like a good example of a coach like that, you know, a Belichick coach like that would be Popovich, of course. Um, he was, he was, you know, he's a great example of a guy who's just done a great job adjusting. But when we think about Popovich, we really think of possibly, in my opinion, he's the greatest coach in NBA history. He's, you know, the kind of guy that he's had pieces come here and he's had pieces go there and you know, the pieces have come and go and he's still able to produce a high quality team. I mean, he, he had a squad that was making the playoffs every year. And this year, this year was the first time in, I can't remember what the exact season count was, but this is the first time that he didn't make the playoffs in such a long time. So my opinion, you know, when you think about a guy like that, you think like, okay, that kind of coach is just one, you know, one in a million, in my opinion, because you'll never see, you, I don't think you ever see coaches like, Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich having the success that they've had in their respective sports as long as they've had it. So it's, uh, 
it's tough in my opinion to see any other coach coming close to that caliber. And then you mentioned Steve Kerr as well. Steve Kerr was, uh, you know, he was on that Spurs team for a long time after he left the Bulls. So he uh, definitely saw what it, what kind of a coaching scheme and what kind of coaching attitude that Popovich had. And I think that's what helped him become the coach that he is today, especially with a team that's as good at the three-point line as Golden State is. So I think that you have to take those factors into account when thinking about those great coaches like that. I, when I, when I look at Stan Van Gundy, he's never, he's never popped out to me as being the potential as having the potential as, you know, a great, right, no, I'm not saying I wasn't trying to build Belichick or even a Steve that Kirk. high of a caliber. I was using him as examples to the fact of, I don't see why he couldn't change with the times. Cause you made it sound like he's too old. The game is different. And so I wasn't saying that he's as good as those coaches. I agree with you. I think Popovich is the best coach in NBA history and Steve Kerr and these guys right behind him. But I wasn't comparing him to that. I was comparing the fact of him being able to change with the time, change with the game as these other coaches have, meaning his age isn't a factor of his mindset of the game, if you can, if you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you. I think that only time will tell. We'll have to see what he can do with the squad, you know, after his first, I think, I think this first season will really be a good test for him and see if he can adapt and, you know, accommodate himself to the, you know, this new era of basketball along with the the younger pieces that he has on this roster. So I think that this will be a great test to see what he's going to do as, as the Pelicans coach. But I'm I, like I said, I don't yeah. hate the move. I don't like it either. I'm just one of those people that's looking at it and say, well, only time will tell. What do you think, George? Yeah, Drew. So, you know, I, I know you don't love the move. So is there a different coach you maybe had in mind that maybe they should have went in that direction? Because I know, you know, at least to the point of his hiring, a lot of the coaches, or at least the big name coaches had already, you know, found a new a new location to work. So Ty Lu had re-signed with the Clippers already. Doc went to Philly. Billy Donovan went to the Bulls. So a lot, a lot of the big name coaches had already, you know, taken a position somewhere else. So was there someone else in mind that you think maybe would have been better than this choice? No, I honestly don't. And that's kind of like the sad thing is that, you know, when you look at the when you look at the the potential, I guess the different uh, different coaches that are, I guess, available, you really don't really see much better. I mean, possibly Mark Jackson, although nobody really is giving him the time of day for some reason. Um, apparently, he's apparently people are saying he's too religious. I don't really know what that means, honestly, but um, I don't know. But I do know that I do know that. Um, out of all the available options that I've seen, I saw doesn't look like there's one that's better. It doesn't mean that I like the move though. No, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think this is probably one of the better choices that they could have made, you know, due to who was available. I mean, I love Mark Jackson. I think he would have been great, you know, not too sure exactly why he hasn't been able to find a new head coach position, but I think he would have been great with a young team like this, you know, just to change the culture, uh, pretty much lay down the foundation like he did back in uh, Golden State, you know. And then the other big name head coach I think is still out there is Mike D'Antoni, but I don't think the the players on this team fit his style of play. Um, so I, I don't think he would have been a great fit here either. So uh, not really. I mean, uh, Frank, did you have any thoughts on kind of on the... any of that? Same boat of, as you. I think this is a good choice. I mean, I get where Andrew's coming from, but I mean, to me, this would be a good fit for them. I mean, they're, like you said, he's a defensive mind and they got the players to do it. So, so I guess I have a question for you guys then. What kind of relationship do you think that Stan Van Gundy and Zion are going to have? Uh, I think they're going to have a, a pretty good found, uh, relationship. 
I think he's going to be able to bring out, you know, uh, a great thing out of this young core because this young core, you know, some of them have been bounced around a little bit, you know, like Lonzo, Josh Hart, uh, Brandon Ingram. They've been bounced around a little, but they all, they all have potential and a lot of them play defense. So, you know, along with Zion, who we've seen him, you know, with highlight reel blocks, you know, that go up to like high up in the stand. So I think he's going to be able to bring out that defense in them, build a, a nice relationship with them and, you know, change the culture there. Yeah. And I think kind of what I was trying to allude to, I guess, is because you know, there's talks, there's talks around the uh, NBA of people claiming that his style of coaching, because he, he has a very upfront, get in your face style of coaching. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to tell it how it is, tell you how it is. Doesn't matter if you're the, doesn't matter if you're left bench or you're the star of the team, he's going to tell you how it is. So the, so what people are kind of trying to figure out is, do you think that that kind of style of play is going to be or that style of coaching is going to be good for Zion's development. Um, see it. Well, with the younger players, it might rub them the wrong way at first, but I think they got some good veterans there who can, you know, talk to them if, you know, that happens and say, Hey, you know, it's tough love. This is how he coaches, you know, like JJ Reddick and uh, drew holiday who've worked with him in the past. So I think they got solid veterans around that, you know, if, they were to take it the wrong way or get in their feels on how he's coaching them. They got great veterans in that locker room who can, you know, talk to him and tell him, Hey, you know, this is tough love. He's coming from a great place. You know, I was the best in you guys. And that's just how he coaches. I was, if you would have asked me that question, I would have said the same thing. I mean, it's true. When you have people, it was my, actually my question to you, Andrew was going to be the question you asked us because, uh, Zion, I mean, I don't know. Is he hard headed? Is it is it gonna rub him, is it gonna rub him the wrong way? Is he gonna feel like uh, this take it as a learning experience, or is he gonna backfire and they're gonna have a little bit of an argument for a little bit, you know, before he kind of gets um, settled in? You know, is Lonzo Ball gonna feel some type of way, you know, or anything like that? But I, I don't think so. I think George hit it on the money. I think when you have veterans especially ones who played with them before, you know, I don't see why they can't talk him down. It That's a big if they even rub him the wrong way. You know, they can talk him down. Just, hey, this is how he coaches. You know, it's good to go. Tough love, just like how George said. Um, I don't think there'll be much bad love here in this, to be honest with you. This team already has a chemistry, um, and I don't see why he doesn't fit in. Yeah, this is this is one of those things too where I I'm I'm also kind of like you know throwing my hands up in the air and saying well only time will tell because we all know the the brand that is Zion Williamson we all know that this is you know as far as as far as the effect of a player on an organization this is probably the second coming of LeBron James as far as like his just overall brand and his you know his reputation toward you know as a player because let's you know we haven't seen somebody get this much hype since lebron james coming into the league so i think that it will definitely be headlines if if stan van gundy is getting in his face and he's not taking it the right way and or it's rubbing him the wrong way in general i think that would be definitely be headlines so i guess only time will tell yeah it will We're going to switch it to the NFL. For the first time in a long time, the New England Patriots have a losing record after six weeks of the NFL season. Right now, they are in third place of their division behind the leading Buffalo Bills and the 3-3 Miami Dolphins. So, George, is it time to hit the panic button for the Patriots? Yeah, uh, I might be the only one, I'm not sure, but I am going to say that you know, it's time to panic for the Patriots because this isn't familiar territory for them. You know, being third in their division, especially with Cam Newton, who came late to the team and then also had to deal with COVID. 
you know, is camp familiar enough with the playbook? Are the players able to catch up, you know, to the bills? Um, is he healthy? You know, we don't know like what effects COVID may have had on cam. Um, how long will it take for him to get back to a hundred percent? If he's not a hundred percent, this is definitely an X and the, uh, you know, a big X factor in this division for me will be Tua because the Dolphins are right there sitting in that second place. But we'll have to see what he can do for his team. The Patriots will have to be in comeback mode for the rest of the season. And, you know, they do have an easier end of their schedule. But, you know, they play the same teams that the Bills play and the Dolphins play. And they're ahead as of right now in the division. And like I said, this just isn't familiar territory for them, especially with the new quarterback who had to deal with, you know, some COVID issues. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the end stretch of the season for this Patriots team. What are your thoughts, Joe? Thanks for bringing me in, George. Um, Nah, it's not time to panic. Because this is the place where they'll be at in the middle of the pack from with the team. There's more since now there's more film on them than there was in the beginning of the season. So yeah, now it's gonna be a lot tougher to get wins. So sitting at third is right where they'll belong. And I can see them being in the middle of the pack team for some quite seasons now. Yeah, so uh, real quick, Frank. Um, so Joe, do you think they're making the playoffs since you're saying they're middle of the pack? If the Dolphins stay hot, no. Yeah. See, that's exactly why I would say it is time to panic because this is an organization that's known for winning. And if they're not going to be winning or making the playoffs, then panic, it is, panic, you know, loss panic, of the season. Panic so to now. Me, that would be if I was a panic a situation. Fan, I'd what be are panicking. Your thoughts, Frank? I agree with you, George. You're not the only one. Okay, besides COVID, a new quarterback, everything's kind of testy. The waters are just being a little murky up here. Okay, the Patriots have played an NFL record 225 straight games in October or later without being below a 500. Okay, the streak broke when they lost to the Broncos. The last time the Patriots had a losing record in October or later was in 2002 when they lost 24-16 to the Broncos. Okay, panic. The Patriots don't do this. This is a panic mode. And that's just my opinion. But I feel like, I mean, you're not used to this. This is something that does not happen. I mean, I get it. It's not Tom Brady. Okay, and... Obviously, Tom Brady being on the Bucks, it's kind of a different story for the Bucks. But Tom Brady on the Bucks is not the Tom Brady on the Patriots, as far as I'm concerned. And Cam Newton is good, but obviously, I mean, I get where Joe's coming from. Middle of the pack, that's not bad. It's not bad, but it's scary if you are a Patriots fan. That is something you're not used to. So in my opinion, that is a panic button. I'm not saying they won't be able to get out of it. I mean, it's a Patriots. It's Belichick. A guy can do anything and shock you with everything. So um, they may well you know, win every game from here on out. You don't know. But as of right now, from what it looks like, you know, never haven't been in this position since 2002. I'm panicking. Yeah, big panic moment, uh, especially just like you said, the, the team that they are, if this was the Dolphins sitting in that position, then yeah, it's not a panic mode because that's what you expect from them. Uh, but this is the Patriots who have a different standard of excellence. So this is definitely a panic mode where your thoughts, Drew. No, it's not panic time. You know what Belichick would tell you after that Broncos defeat? He would tell you, we're moving on to San Francisco. He's been here. He's done this. People keep doubting him like they did when they lost that game versus the Chiefs. And he kept saying, we're moving on to Cincinnati in the interview after the game. We all know that he is a genius and he will shape his team up. Again, they play San Francisco. That's why he would tell you, we're moving on to San Francisco. 
And they'll be ready to close out the next 11 games, losing maybe one to two games in the process. It happens every year. Talk to me after week 12 if they've lost three more games since then. Maybe then it'll be time to hit the panic button. I know what Bill Belichick is capable of. And if you need more reasoning, any team any team can have you know a terrible game and come back. We've seen the San Francisco 49ers. They just, you know, they had a pretty bad game versus the Dolphins where they got outscored pretty hard in the first half. And then, you know, it was just a blowout from then after. And what did they do? They come back and they beat the Los Angeles Rams in a very impressive fashion. I mean, like I said, it's not time to panic. You know, I agree with you. Bill Belichick's mind, he could pull things out of nowhere. I understand that. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's the same team. I mean, how much can Bilicek really do? I mean, honestly, I mean, there's got to be a limit at some point where it's goes from saying, oh, it's just the player, you know, this player is good. It just depends on what system they're in versus, you know, back in the day, you could probably say, you know, oh, you could be a sucky wide receiver, but you go into the Patriots and, and, Belichick and Brady are going to make you look awesome. I mean, how far can that go before it's just, okay, yeah, it's not working anymore. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just for the sake of the argument. Right. Yeah, A lot lot of people, they're saying, you know, in Belichick, we trust. And, you know, I'm not taking anything from him, but, you know, just this is 2020. It's a weird year. Weird stuff is happening. And, you know, Patriots not making the playoffs could be in that category. And, um, you know, I think just with everything going on, they had so many people, you know, not play for them this year. You know, they opted out because of COVID. You know, like I said, Camp contracted the virus. So he was out a few weeks. Um, you know, he was still learning the playbook. He's still trying to build that chemistry with these players. And, you know, they've fallen behind. So, like I said, they got to be in catch-up mode. You know, can they catch up? We'll have to wait and see. But this is definitely a panic moment because this doesn't happen every year. They're not below 500 every year. They're always, you know, at the top of their division with ease. So this is something new for them, and we'll have to see how this shapes up. But definitely a panic moment if I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah, like I said... I'm not in panic mode at all because if this team has shown me time and time again that they, I mean, trust me, every year I would always hope, man, 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 I hope that the Patriots are, I hope that the rumors are true and the Patriots are actually starting to regress as a team. But every year that we see something like that happen where there's headlines about it or something, they just go and they make the playoffs again and most of the time they're even making the Super Bowl. I mean, they this team just continues, continues, continues to uh when they get disrespected, they just, you know, continue to perform. At the end of the day, that's what it is. So, like I'm saying, talk to me after week 12. If they've lost three more games since then, they'll be six, they'll be five and six. So I feel like at that point, yeah, you can probably start panicking then. Because at that point, they'll be below 500 team after week 12. Yeah, see, one big difference in, you know, your argument right there, Drew, is quarterback. You know, all those other times that you're talking about, they had Tom Brady, who's arguably going to go down as the best quarterback to ever play. And right now, they don't have him. They got Cam Newton, which is no knock on Cam Newton, but he's no Tom Brady. So... You know, while they were able to do this, you know, all those other years when they were doubted or, you know, people were hoping that they would fail. That was with Tom Brady under center, who was able to handle all the all of those situations because he is so great. This is a different quarterback, new system, new everything. So you can't really apply those situations to this one because it, it ain't the same person that's out there throwing the ball. I'll give you that. It's a different person throwing the ball. And yeah, that does play a factor, but that plays a factor in maybe their, the style of their offense. I like, like I was saying, one of those losses, let's keep in mind too. One of those losses was against the Patriots. Cam Newton was, or sorry, the, the chiefs, Cam Newton wasn't there. Um, I think that, I think that 
I've already voiced my opinions on that. I think that if he is there, they win that game, and we're not even having this discussion, in my opinion. But let's I'm gonna circle a game, all right? And it's it's next week. It's the Patriots play the Buffalo Bills. I'm gonna circle that game for you. And I'll tell you one thing. They're obviously playing the 49ers. If they lose against the 49ers, then they lose again to this Buffalo Bills team, then I'll say, okay, now it's time to panic. But I I honestly have a strong feeling that they're going to win against the 49ers. Sorry, Frank. They're going to win against the 49ers, and then we're going to be circling that game and saying, oh, this is the game for the division lead. <laughs> okay, so instead of talking to you in week okay. 12, I'll be able to talk to you in two fan. weeks. I'm going to be biased and... <laughs> here, obviously. That's why he said well, sorry, What are your but... thoughts on that, Frank? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because – Man, you, you hear that as a Niner fan, you know, I'm gonna play the we're gonna play the Patriots next. That's usually a scary a scary uh, a game, you know, but uh, I'm not I don't know, man. That's that's tough for me because it's still Belichick, it's still the Patriots. Um oh, man, that's hard. I mean, we have a lot of injuries. But you know what? I'm going to stay strong to my 49ers. I honestly think we could beat them. I don't see why we couldn't. And so I'm sorry, Drew, but I might have to go buy a panic button and have you hit it on the podcast next time. <laughs> All right, Frank. If they if, – if the uh... – if the Patriots lose to the 49ers and the Bills, I will gladly press a panic button right. as many times as you want here on the podcast for you. Yeah, you got to heard it here first on highly old, contested. If you don't like that, then you panic. don't like highly contested <laughs> sports. <laughs> Joe, what about you? What are your thoughts? I'll stick to what I wrote. There's no time to panic because this is where I predicted them in the beginning of the podcast uh, in previous ones. This is right where they belong. Joe, so I, I know you're not hitting it because of your predictions, but as a Patriot, as a Patriot, like for the fans of the Patriots and their fan base, is this not a moment for them to panic? Not for you, but because this is maybe what you predicted, but we're, we're talking for the Patriots. Is it time for them to panic? Not time for you to panic. Time for them to panic. Patriots who? <laughs> huh? Nah. They, they can panic if they want. It's their team. But I can tell you this. They, 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 could, they could feel some type of way with Cam Newton being their quarterback and stuff, but it's not going to change for a few seasons. Yeah, and one thing I'll say, too, is if I was a Patriots fan, I would have been panicking way more in the beginning of the season or before the season even started when they hadn't signed Cam Newton. I would have been panicking way more then because I would have been looking at our QB roster, our QB depth chart, and I would have been like, wow, this is really all we have to walk into the season with. They signed Cam Newton, and I was like, wow, that was a really smart. That was a Bill Belichick move. That was really smart. And I still stand by that statement. I think that... I think that he's going to do great things still. And he's got this is this is what? They've only played what? 5 games. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button yet. Keeping it in the NFL, Antonio Brown is set for his suspension from the NFL to be lifted as he waits to be signed by an NFL team. Antonio Brown is eligible to be signed after week 8. Barring any news from the NFL regarding a possible extension to his suspension. So, George, can you see Antonio Brown playing in the NFL again? Yeah, I can definitely see Antonio Brown making a comeback in the NFL. You know, all issues aside, when he's on the field, he's a great talent. A case can be made that he's top three at his position when he's on the field. I know the Seahawks right now are in the driver's seat you know, to sign him. But if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I would definitely consider signing Antonio Brown, a team that has failed to support Aaron Rodgers with any skilled players can really help him out right now. 
Currently, the Packers have a ninth ranked offense and are second place in their division behind the Bears. Rodgers is going to uh, an all he's going to be an all time great quarterback. He's been around the league for a while. He's a veteran. He can definitely manage a personality like Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown would also be given a great opportunity to prove himself with an elite quarterback who loves to throw the ball. The Packers are a team that has faced some injuries, especially with their wide receiver group. Devontae Adams, you know, he's been in and out with some injuries. They also lost Alan Lazard. Uh, there's definitely a need for Antonio Brown in this Packers offense. So I think he could be a great fit there, paired up with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, yeah, I, I think they should definitely try to help him out. Joe, what are your thoughts with Antonio Brown? All right. Yeah, I can see AB on a team after his suspension. Only if his other cases don't hold up in court, then yeah, he should be on a team. But honestly, this is his last chance to be in the NFL. Because one slip up, he, he's gone in the NFL and his NFL career is over. Plus, if a team does sign him, they need to put something in his contract that if something happens off the field... They can let him go without paying him any money. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure any team that signs him is going to have some kind of, you know, issues like that in their contract if they sign him. And yeah, th- this will be basically his last straw. Uh, Joe, did did you have any teams in mind where he might go to? I was going to let the other guys go first because well, I want to hear what they have to say first. Uh... I agree. I think this Fair is going to be one of his last times to prove himself. But I mean, regardless of his suspension, overall as a player, I mean, he's he's a good wide receiver. I mean, he has a 837 career receptions, which is the second most in first nine uh, in the first nine seasons of his of his career in the NFL history. Um, he has 129 games. It took him 129 games to reach 11,000 receiving yards. Uh, the second fewest games in history to reach that milestone at eleven hundred at eleven thousand. Um, so he's he's good. He's good. Um, now he's not the first player that would be able to come back after some kind of suspension, something like that. We know that. I mean, even Alden Smith got you know picked up again by the Cowboys and is trying to prove himself again what kind of a player he could be and this and that. So I don't see why he couldn't do the same. Um, I think it depends on the team he goes to that will obviously make his mindset. I know right now Seahawks want him really bad, and we have um, a bunch of players in there, you know, really rooting for him. But not number two, not number three, not number four, but the fifth team on that list is the San Francisco 49ers. And um, we probably could use a little bit of the mindset of an older wide receiver. I mean, we have a rookie, a Uick. He's really good, but he's still a rookie. Uh, Debo is, he's older, and so he's, but he's been injured, and, you know, I'm not really sure if he's going to be on and off with this injury here. So I don't know. I mean, it might be a good fit, maybe not. We've had guys in the past that got in trouble on our team too, so it's something that I don't think we can handle. But overall, I don't see why he wouldn't fit um, back in the NFL if he can keep his cool in this on his, you know, off the field stuff. Um, Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I could see him playing again in the NFL, but here's the thing. Yeah, he's a good receiver, but he's a diva on the field, and he's a problem off the field. I'm sure there's a sucker of a team that will sign him and pay him exactly what he wants. I would laugh if it was the Jets and, you know, some organization like that maybe even. And we all know that three weeks into that, he'd be throwing fits because – you know, this it's not a contender team for, you know, for whatever reasons. And we just know the type of player that he is, the type of diva that he is. And he would definitely be thrown fits three weeks in, um, maybe even sooner. 
George, you talked about Green Bay. Um, I think that I think that Green Bay is way too smart of an organization to sign and uh, to sign Antonio Brown. He he's too much of a problem. He's too much of a head case. He's too much of a he's too much of a accident waiting to happen. And I don't think it's worth the time or patience for Green Bay to sign him. And we've we've seen before that they haven't even you know they don't even sign good players that don't have off the field issues. And I'm just looking at Antonio Brown. And I'm thinking, why would they sign him when he does have these off the field issues? Joe, did you want to add something in? Oh, no, I was just going to uh, tell George my potential landing spots for him. But you could you could finish your rant and then I'll go. All right. So sounds like as of right now, the front runner is Seattle. And after hearing this, I was kind of thinking to myself, why would why would they want to do this? They're undefeated right now. And in my opinion, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If anything they need to shore up is their defense. Adding Antonio Brown, a receiver with a very questionable history, for me, if I was a fan, it would make me very uneasy. Um, I, I can tell you one team, though, that I would see him on. But, Joe, I want you to go ahead because uh, I want I know that you want to go ahead and voice your opinion on what team, so go for it. All right, so yeah, like George said, um, the Packers will be a good I'd fit for him, and um, the the front runner right now will so. From what people are saying is the Seahawks, but he, I think he would only want to go to a uh, playoff candidate team. So I think the Chiefs would be kind of good. That that whole offense will be a high octane, and every one of them receivers is fast. So. And AB's a fast guy too. Um, the Ravens, even though they just signed, uh, I think they signed him to a practice squad and um, Des Bryant. That'll be a good fit for the Ravens. Uh, him and Antonio Brown and the Ravens. But if I were to give a um, a non playoff team for him, maybe the Eagles. They, I know they need they need receiver help. And that might be a good fit, but like I said, he's he will more likely look for a playoff uh, contender. Yeah, so, Joe, I mean, I wouldn't be so sure the Eagles aren't a playoff team, even with their two wins. They're sitting right. first in their division. You're right. But, but even to, like, some Drew was saying earlier about if the Jets were going to sign him, Let's be real. He's he's not going to the Jets. He's not going to any bad team. He's going to go to a team that has potential to make a Super Bowl run or at least a deep playoff run. And, you know, the risk and reward is, you know, something good to look at if you're a team because you're not going to sign him to no big contract, no heavy years. This is going to be a contract, a prove it contract where he's got to prove himself to not be a cancer to not be a distraction, that he can still play ball. So whoever signs him isn't going to sign him for that max contract. They're going to get a steal, almost like Patriots did with Cam Newton. You know, so that's why I was saying with the Packers, you know, the risk versus reward is high because you're going to sign him for something cheap and, you know, the reward is going to be high, especially with you pair him up with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it could be great. And, you know, just to add on to the Packers, you know, they're 20th in yards and 22nd in pass yards. So although they have that top nine defense, they need help when it comes to the receiving group. And that has to do with injuries. Like I said, Devontae Adams was out for a bit. They lost uh, Alan Lazard. So you pair up Antonio Brown in there, who's been healthy most of his career. I don't think he's missed too many games. And you pair him there with uh, Devontae Adams, who the last couple seasons has been dealing with some knickknack injuries could be a great fit. And, um, you know, the, the Ravens, you know, his cousin plays there. So, uh, Marquise Brown. So that's why they're a destination for him. And Russell Wilson really wants to play with Antonio Brown. That's why they're in the driver's seat. It's because of Russell Wilson. He's been campaigning for him. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say that, Basically, all the teams that I said, maybe not the Eagles, or I'm iffy on that one because I don't really know their their situation in the front office. But all the teams that I said, their their front office and their coaching staff has all 
has are tight, and I believe they could give him like like that comfort of like keeping his head on straight. Just focus on one thing, and that's football right now. Don't focus on any distractions. But if 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 you do something wrong, adios. We're not dealing with you anymore. Well, I mean, Chris, I kind of. Did you have anything you wanted to say that, about you know, what team you think would sign him? I'm on the Niners. I mean, just for the fact, kind of like what George was saying, we're not going to, if you were to sign him, you're not signing him on a big contract. It'd be something small to prove yourself. And like I kind of said before, you know, it'd be nice to have maybe some uh, knowledge from someone who's been on the field for a while, you know, for some of our rookie wide receivers, especially because of the fact that Debo may or may not be there due to injury. So, um, Will that happen? I, I doubt it. The Niners are, I think, fifth on the list of what people are talking about. And the way that Russell was pushing, I mean, honestly, I, it, it might he might go to Seattle. Um, do I think they need him? I don't know. Uh, I think he might be better off on a team like, you know, the Eagles or something that, that needs some help. Or, you know, even I forgot, some of you guys said the Chiefs. To me, that's kind of that's an OP team to be putting them on. I mean, how much more stack can you get with having them on that? But <laughs> oh, okay, I hear a little jealousy there. But <laughs> yeah, that'd be KD going to the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Um, no jealousy, but I just like a we comparison. All, we're all in agreement. It's just last shot for sure. And in, like Joe said, it's adios. If, if you mess up. So, and I, I hope he knows that because I feel like he's really talented. I mean, his, uh, you know, with forget about the whole him being a baby on the field and, and a jerk off the field, but as a player who puts up points and catches the ball, I hope he knows this is his last chance, you know, because he is a good player. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if we could forget that, you know, he's a diva on the field and a problem off the field. It'd be nice if we could, but the truth is we can't. And here's, you guys, you know, you guys were talking about, oh, this is going to be a, a prove it contract for him. I don't think that he thinks it's going to be a prove it contract. I think that his mindset, his, you know, his diva mentality, I think that he's going to want, uh, he's going to want the type of money that he would normally have gotten if he hadn't, you know, gotten a suspension from the league. So if he is that, if he is wanting that kind of a contract and if I'm a GM, I'm not even giving it a second thought. There's no way I sign this man. I don't care what he or his agent suggests. I don't care if, you know, he's at the practice facility begging for a chance. I would say, get out. There's football players that need to practice. The only way that I sign this guy is if he's willing to sign with no guaranteed money, uh, have a clause, a written clause, Joe, like you were talking about, where it's a no-nonsense clause. And even then, I'm only signing him for 10 million tops, nothing more. However, um, one team that I would say if, if, if I, if I would suggest a team for him, I think that a good team could actually be the Texans. I think they could use him. I feel like Deshaun Watson has control of that offense now. It might not be the best decision since they just got rid of a cancerous presence in the team and they might be potentially throwing another cancerous presence on the team. But if it works out, then they would have a deadly offense. Yeah, so, Drew, I believe it's Deion Sanders who's been campaigning for him and has been, you know, mentoring Anthony, or Antonio Brown throughout this whole process. And he's been coming out, you know, on his behalf, basically saying it's not about money. He wants to go out there and just play football, do what he loves. He's not asking for, you know, a huge contract. And, you know, we also got to remember that you know, we're, we're throwing out some of these teams and I just don't believe some of these teams are realistic destinations for him because 
it, it goes two ways. Antonio Brown has to want to play there, and the team ha- is going to have to want to sign him. You know, and some of these teams that are being mentioned, like even the Texans, I don't see that as a team that he would want to play for. And again, like if you're not going to be a deep playoff run team, why would you necessarily take that risk and want him on your team? Because there is risk. Like I said, I don't, with the contract you give him, I think it's worth the risk. And, you know, we, we seen what kind of quarterbacks he likes to play for. It's the elite quarterbacks, hall of fame careers. And I think that's who he would be great with, you know, someone like a Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers. People like that, you know, I'm sure he would love to play with Tom Brady. He's voiced that multiple times, but Bruce Arians does not want any part of Antonio Brown, you know, went back to his days when he was coaching him with the Steelers. But, you know, th- this is going two ways and, you know, the team's going to have to want him and he's going to want to play there. So it's going to be a few teams I think he really wants to play for, which would probably be Seahawks, Ravens. Those two for sure, but I, I would definitely consider Packers if I was him because that's a, a Super Bowl bound team, possibly, you know, deep playoff run with a elite Hall of Fame quarterback. What are your thoughts, Drew? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Bruce Arians, one of the one of the people that has had direct experience with him and and wants no part of him. <laughs> but um I'm, th- I'm thinking, and we're all talking about these, you know, what if scenarios and, you know, we're talking about, oh, I don't think Antonio Brown, would- it's not Antonio Brown's choice, honestly, let's be real. I mean, unless he's got, you know, unless he's got multiple playoff teams that are anxious to sign him, it's really not up to him. It's, it's up to, it's up to the teams and whether or not they want to sign him. Because again, you know, you have the, for example, the Bruce Arians led Tampa Bay Buccaneers who want zero part in that. Right now, they're looking like a really good playoff contending team. And, you know, they're not going to have any part with A.B. Then you have the Seahawks. The Seahawks, yeah, uh, Russell Wilson's talking about wanting to sign him. Um, I'm not sure what other candidates are on that list. Uh, Frank mentioned that in fifth place, it was the 49ers. Um, Joe mentioned that the Chiefs might be a good spot for him. I don't think the Chiefs want any part in that either because I think that in their minds, they're very, you know, they're very much – if it ain't broke, don't fix it as well. And I know that they're consistently adding pieces, but they're not adding behavior problem pieces. They're adding, you know, actual players that could contribute. And I think that they wouldn't want to part in, the, in AB either personally. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I don't think it's going to be AB's choice because like, we're, like we've been talking about, this is his last chance. And a lot of teams you know, a lot of the teams that he doesn't want anything to do with, they probably don't want anything to do with him either. So. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think the chiefs will really want him either just because they're already a potent offense. And, you know, you said they don't sign these pieces that cause problems. Well, they did just sign Le'Veon Bell who did cause some problems. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I do say that it does come down to him also because he is a free agent. You know, he's not getting traded somewhere. So it does come down to him because he's not just going to go play for the Jets or, you know, some, you know, the Washington football team. He's not going to go play for them. So he he's going to have a choice in where he goes, like his own choosing. But again, that team is going to have to want him too. So it's going to go both ways and... You know, I, I do think someone's going to take the chance on him because there is a need for an elite wide receiver. And especially in a year where there's been so many injuries, you know, there's definitely a need for that type of player. And since he already served his suspension and will be ready to go, some team will take that chance. And we've seen it year after year, like Frank mentioned, you know, if you could produce on the football team, teams will sign you. So. We'll have to wait and see what happens once his, uh, his yeah, suspension is I mean, lifted. At that if it point, does get though, lifted even because I, there's I, talks of it getting It extended. is what it is. And at the end of the day, it still might be more of the team's decision because at that point, if no team wants him and only one team is offering him a contract, that, then, I mean, either you, you sign it or you, or you don't play at all, period. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of, that's pretty much exactly what I was saying. You know, I don't think, I don't really believe he has the choice. We're going to move on to a different NFL topic. The New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles played an important divisional matchup for both sides on Thursday night football. This game was considered a suck fest by all of us as we had to watch to take notes, except for George, who enjoys himself a good suck fest. So, George, what are your takeaways since you enjoy this Thursday night football suck fest? What a disappointing suck fest, man. I'm usually a fan of these, but... Man, I'm I'm with Joe on this one, man. I, I kind of picked the Giants to win this suck fest, and they lost the suck fest. So now I'm disappointed. Uh, it looked like they had it in the bag until the end. You know, Carson Wentz played pretty good down the stretch of that fourth quarter. Um, you know, Daniel Jones he broke off for an 80 yard run, and then tripped off nothing. You know, so that just summed up the suck fest right there tripping off his himself you know he could have had that easy touchdown instead tripped didn't get it himself uh the eagles were trailing 21 to 10 with just over six minutes left of that fourth quarter but Wentz was able to complete that comeback with two touchdown passes and then uh brandon graham sealed the game with a strip sack on daniel jones forcing the giants third turnover of the night to help the eagles move to two four and one leading their division. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, you thought that the Giants, you know, and I, I, I got to be honest with you, I thought that the Giants had it too for a moment. And I think the biggest play was, so that so the Eagles had scored one, the first of their two touchdowns that they would score at the end of the game to win the game. The Eagles had already scored one of their two touchdowns and then the Giants were punting the ball. And I think the big play of the game was that punt. So when New York punts the ball right before the game-winning drive. There was a huge penalty committed by the Giants special teams. This gave the Eagles 15 yards, and it was a punt, so it's not like it was a kickoff and, you know, they had to take it in, you know, 25 yards or wherever it was. So they were pretty much set. They were almost almost at the Giants' side of the field already. So it was a huge penalty committed by the Giants special teams. Because it allowed the Eagles to get very comfortable and drive down the field to score the to score the game to the go ahead touchdown, but let's be real here. What a pass from Carson Wentz to score that go ahead touchdown. I mean, you want to talk about you you want to talk about the play the um, the most impressive play of the game? That was it. For so me right there. I'm just gonna say one little thing about this game. Uh, besides it being a suck fest that George loves. I think this game kind of reminds me of what happened last year with the Eagles and the Giants when the Eagles uh, in week 14 won against the Giants. Uh, They were down, I think it was like 3-17, to and then they overcame that and they won it 23-17 to in overtime. And when that happened, that game, after they won that game, it kick-started a four-game winning streak that put the Eagles in the playoffs. So could this be a similar thing? Could they, even though despite their 2-4-1 and one record, because they beat the Giants in a very crunchy time with an amazing pass, by the way, yes, Andrew, is this going to jumpstart them again like it did last year? I don't know. I feel like it might. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Joe? Yep, this game was pretty much how I predicted it, low scoring. Not all not a lot of exciting plays except for Daniel Jones's 80-yard run that ended with him tripping over himself. But that was pretty much it, just like how I expected it. Yeah, it's interesting. This entire division, yeah, when we look at it, we all agree that this entire division is a suck fest. But the funny thing is it's actually still competitive only because it's competitive by their standards. There's been three lead changes already in the NFC East. It's it's only competitive because 
they're all playing terribly. So, you know, they're all kind of setting really low bars for each other, but it's still competitive nonetheless. I mean, they're competing with each other at least. Yeah, they're like, I want the f- the first overall draft pick next year. No, I want the first overall draft pick. No, I want it. <laughs> they're all fighting for that that draft pick, man. Yeah, but the but the Jets locked that first place pick in. They locked it in week one. <laughs> it's funny too because I think they were talking about how what was I think the Washington football team. They're saying that the Washington football team has the potential to be, um, and this was before this game was played. But they said that the Washington football team had the potential to be. In the lead of their division, or in or in uh, or in last place in the NFL, if the Jets were to win and the Washington Football Team were to lose, so they were talking about how funny it was that it we're in week seven, I think already we're in week seven, and the the Washington Football Team had the potential to not only lead their division but also be the worst team in the NFL. Crazy stuff. All right, it's time for Joe's Weekly Pick'em. So, Joe, are you ready? Born raised ready, you know. All right, let's do it. We're going to start off with the Lions and the Falcons, Joe. Who do you got and why? Yeah, they both came off impressive wins, but I still have the Lions winning over the Falcons. All right, and then we have the... the uh, Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, I believe the Bengals are improving, and the Browns, they came off of a, a SmackDown beating, but the Browns are going to come up with the dub. All right, and we got the matchup that I think a lot of people are looking at, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tennessee Titans, two undefeated teams. Who you got, Joe? The Steelers, they're they're just an overall a good team, and they're gonna um, trash this uh, defense. Mm. Then we have a divisional matchup and an important one. I think we have the Carolina Panthers playing the New Orleans Saints. Who you got, Joe? I got the Saints winning. All right. Then we have the Buffalo Bills playing the New York Jets. <laughs> I think we could all guess who I'm choosing with this one. The New York Jets? Yeah. <laughs> now the Bills. Those are winning. All right. all right. Then we have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Washington football team in a matchup. I believe this is going to be a low-scoring game, kind of like how we saw on Thursday, but the Cowboys are going to win. Ooh, interesting. Next, we have the Green Bay Packers taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, the Packers are going to win this one. The Texans' defense isn't good, and Aaron Rodgers is going to see right through that. All right, and then next we have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Joe, who you got? Sorry, Drew. I The Jags haven't showed me any promise, so the Chargers are going to win. Well, at this point, I'm actually agreeing with you. <laughs> All right, next we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Should we just skip this, Joe? Well, hold on. There might not even be a game because of what's going on with the Raiders right now. Their whole whole offensive line, the starting offensive line, isn't with the team right now because Trent Brown tested positive for the coronavirus, and now the whole offensive line – has to be away from the team because they were around Trent Brown. Oh, so the Raiders are going to forfeit the game then, Joe? Yeah. Well, no, they're, they're going to, they might move it because the Raiders were a Sunday night, but they moved the team to uh, Sunday afternoon. So if the NFL needs to move the game, uh, th- there'll be an easier spot to move. But if, if they were to play, the Raiders are going to win. For sure. All right, next we have the Chiefs taking on the Broncos. Who you got? The the Chiefs, yes, the Broncos did pretty good against the Patriots, but the Chiefs ain't even the Patriots. All right. The 49ers are going to take on the New England Patriots. Joe, who you got? This is going to be an awakening for the Patriots because the Patriots are going to win. Interesting, Joe. All right, next we have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Arizona Cardinals. 
So the Seahawks will be defeated this game. The uh, Cardinals are going to come out strong, and they're going to beat this undefeated team. Mm. Yeah, the Cardinals are playing some pretty good football right now. We'll see. All right, and then we have the Monday night matchup. The Bears versus the Rams. Bears are 5-1, and one, Joe. Yes, they are. They're doing pretty good, but they're going to lose against the Rams. The Rams are playing uh, okay football, but I think they're going to put a stop to Big Johnson Foles' team. Big Johnson Foles. <laughs> and All right. Hold on. If you have any disagreements with my picks, hit us up on Twitter at Highly Contested. We'll see you there. Yep, definitely hit us up on Twitter for sure. Well, that's all the time that we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. 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 Highly contested.